This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Good afternoon, everybody. And okay, New York, you win. This was the this was the week when your governor made more news than our governor. And Andrew Cuomo's resignation was the the talk of New Jersey too and and the effects of his departure will be felt across the river as well. Uh, the last two elected governors of New York have now resigned and and before Cuomo and Elliot Spitzer that designation was held by New Jersey. Uh, now it's been 17 years since two consecutive elected Jersey governors left office before the end of their terms, and that, that trophy now sits in Albany. And the man who became governor when Jim McGreevy resigned 17 years ago this week was Richard Cody, uh, Governor Cody, who who continues to hold the state Senate seat. He first won about 40 years ago. Has he's had an amazing week. He helped a teenager obtain a a costly surgery that her insurance company had initially denied. Governor Cody's going to join me at 419 to to talk about how he helped this woman fight her insurance company and get the surgery she, she needed. So so please don't miss that. And coming up at 432, I will speak with former White House Chief of Staff John Podesta. He's an advisor to climate power, and we're going to talk about the infrastructure bill and, and about climate change. John Podesta is a is a a man who, who played a key role in the Oval Offices of two presidents. So you're not going to want to miss what he has to say. And then coming up at 448, you're going to want to hear this. Uh, it's Tom Simansky. He's the executive director of the New Jersey Republican State Committee. He's, he's emerged as a leading critic of, of Governor Phil Murphy's policies in a gubernatorial election year. Uh, let's go back to the soon-to-be former governor of New York. Andrew Cuomo's meteoric fall from grace one year after a pandemic put him in in probably the best place of his political career as as a politician. Uh, His career came to an end after an independent investigation found that he had sexually harassed at least 11 women. But the circumstances of Cuomo's resignation could potentially advance the issue of sexual harassment higher up on the issues that New Jersey voters uh, might consider when they they elect a governor this year in an election that's just 80 days away. And the Republican running against Phil Murphy, Jack Chitterelli, and his running mate, Diane Allen, have already made uh, the administration's record on the treatment of women at campaign issue. This week, the U.S. Department of Justice announced a settlement with New Jersey over allegations and, frankly, strong evidence uh, that women prisoners at the Edna Mann Correctional Facility in, in Clinton, New Jersey, have been beaten and raped by prison guards. The Deputy U.S. Attorney General, Kristen Clark, she's a Biden administration appointee, blasted New Jersey, and, and although not by name, uh, the Murphy administration for its failure to implement reasonable reforms. And, and the top federal prosecutor in New Jersey called the conduct horrific. Now, Governor Murphy's already announced his plans to close the prison, and, and that came after the arrests of several prison guards and the state corrections commissioner, Marcus Hicks, has resigned. Hicks didn't go easily. He he took calls uh it took calls for his impeachment and, and the vote of the legislature urging, urging his ouster for him to, to finally step down. And, and Governor Murphy never fired him. It was a process that took months before Marcus Hicks decided he was, he was going to resign. Now, now that, wasn't, that wasn't exactly how it played out. I, I believe that there were, there were some pretty strong conversations behind the scenes where he was told if he doesn't resign, he's going to be fired. But, but he did resign. He wasn't fired. And now the prison is under the watchful eye of a federal monitor and, and, and an acknowledgement, frankly, that the New Jersey Department of Corrections can't do it on their own. And Jersey's going to pay its $250,000 a year for the federal monitor. Uh, in the old days, the, the treatment of women prisoners at Edna Mann would have been big news in New Jersey. I, I know that insiders are talking about it. But I'm not convinced that rank-and-file 
Jersey voters are following it closely. And, and unless this issue is on TV every day, I'm not sure they ever will. But it seems like the Chitterelli campaign is going to try. And when, when Jack Chitterelli announced Diane Allen as his running mate, they held a press conference outside that prison. So that's, that's a pretty strong indication that they're going to, to try and, and use this issue. Uh, to state their case against Phil Murphy. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. For New Jersey political insiders, Thursday was a big day. The U.S. Census Bureau released population numbers for every municipality in New Jersey. This is a big, big deal since now redistricting for congressional and legislative districts uh, are going to now begin to use real numbers. And Newark remains New Jersey's largest city for the next 10 years. It beat out Jersey City by a little more than 19,000 people. Uh, I got this one wrong. I was certain that Jersey City was going to surpass Newark. Uh, Frankly, with all the development going on in in downtown Jersey City, I thought they they were going to vote past Newark, and every town in Hudson County has become larger. The population in Lakewood has exploded over the last 10 years. This is important. Uh, it's, it's, grown, it's grown by almost 46% since 2010, and as New Jersey starts its legislative redistricting, the realities of Lakewood's population will have a, a butterfly effect over the entire state. Uh, the other thing to look at is, is this, three urban congressional districts, one represented by Newark's Donald Payne, one from uh, Hudson County's Albio series, a a third represented by Patterson's Bill Pasquale. These districts all grew significantly in population. Uh, That could be good news for three Democratic House members from the state, Mikey Sherrill, Josh Gottheimer, Tom Malinowski, since the population that the urban congressmen need to shed are predominantly Democrats, and they're all in North Jersey. And the path to control the U.S. House of Representatives in the 2022 midterms could be paved through New Jersey, but I think anybody who tells you they know what's going to happen with redistricting, I don't, I don't think that's true. Uh, the thing is, until it starts, until we see where the tiebreaker's head is at, that's former Supreme Court Justice John Wallace. He's a Democrat, but not overtly partisan or political. Until we see where Justice Wallace is looking for uh, in terms of districts, we, we just won't know. Uh, but here's something else in congressional redistricting. I'm not sure Democrats are, are positioned to to make a deal with Republicans to sacrifice one seat uh, in order to save the other three Democrats. Republicans need to flip five seats nationally to take out Nancy Pelosi uh, with new apportionment, making Democrats the underdog across the country. I'm not sure that they want to surrender even one seat in Jersey for the greater good of the rest of the delegation. So, so I think there's going to be some pressure on New Jersey maybe to uh, balance out the gerrymandering of some Republican states and try and help Speaker Pelosi even pick up a seat. That's that's going to be a, a tough lift, but we'll see over the next few months where redistricting plays out. Uh, I will be uh, back with New Jersey Governor Richard Cody to talk about how he helped a teenager pay for surgery when her insurance company turned her down. Please don't go away. And, and later I'll be joined by former White House Chief of Staff John Podesta to talk about infrastructure, climate change, and after that, about the governor's race and redistricting with Tom Simansky, the executive director of the New Jersey Republican State Committee. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. following is a paid program. The views expressed by the following program are those of the sponsor and not necessarily those of 77 WABC and Red Apple Media.
Adopt. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient treatment programs are founded on science and delivered with heart. At RCA, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients experiencing a relapse or with history of trauma for young adults, adults 50 plus, for first responders in military and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America answers the phone and admits patients 24-7. Don't wait. Call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW. That's one 1- 888-RECOVERY. And we're back with breaking news. The new Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. With an improved taste and zero calories, make sure... Jim. Ooh, yes. This tastes like the best Coke ever to me. We're on the air. I need to try it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Con cero azúcar y ahora mucho más rico. ¿Será que la nueva Coca-Cola Zero Sugar es la mejor de todas? ¡Descúbrela! Everyone loves shopping online. Well, I'm going to tell you what I tell my golf buddies when they buy clubs. Stop searching for coupon codes. Download Capital One Shopping to your computer. Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Plus, it's free. And you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. That's like hitting a hole in one without even trying. Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary. Everyone knows homemade is better. But some things are just hard to make at home. At least they were until now. With your Glowforge 3D laser printer on your desk, you can make stunning things at home. Art, gifts, furniture at the touch of a button. Whether you're fixing up your house, solving a tricky problem, or just crafting something special, make it homemade. Discover just what's possible at Glowforge.com. Switching to GEICO is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, GEICO makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7, online, or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to GEICO, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect the policies or positions of WLIR Radio, its management, or its sponsors. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. My training helps me at work when I lead by example. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my community and those I care about safe from threats. Learn more about how you, too, can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the New York Army National Guard. Aired by the New York State Broadcasters Association and this station. Can.org. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. And Richard Cody has served as the governor of New Jersey. He was there from 2004 to 2006. Currently in the New Jersey legislature, uh, and, and he's been there uh, since 1974, but to be fair, in his early 20s, since he, when he was first elected. Governor, how are you? I'm glad you said that. He ain't that old. <laughs> you're not. You're not. I mean, you know, it's just, especially as I get older, you don't. You don't seem. <laughs> you don't seem quite as much there. But, Governor, this week you you went public with a fascinating story about how you helped Jessica Riley, teenager who needed surgery on her spine, and her insurance company wouldn't pay for it. What happened? Well, what happened was I was as you. You ran the PSA, and I thank you very, very much for that. Happy birthday to everybody who has their birthday today, by the way. But more importantly, um, so we did the PSA up in Ogdensburg in Sussex County. Now, for a Democrat to even go up there is I courageous, don't you think? So in any event, I, I um, 
asked for help from the chief of police, and they were great. We, we filmed the commercial up there. And then I asked them, I said, Chief, is there a family restaurant up here that I can help? He said, yeah, yeah, a small family restaurant. And over, I gave him blank amount of money. And I said, I want to come back on a Monday or Tuesday and pay 15% of every meal. Hopefully, you'll make a gaggle of money, right? So that day, I went up there, and they were fabulous people. And I was just about to leave, and a gentleman walks in, and he says, um, you're going to go? Yes, yes, sir. He says, uh, I wonder if you could help me. I said, with what? And he says, my uh, 18-year-old granddaughter has severe scoliosis. She needs an operation. She's been okayed for the operation. Uh, and the operation is $140,000, and the insurance company will only pay the physicians part of that, which is 70000 And it's supposed to be in six weeks. Can you help me? I'm like, I don't know if I can, sir, but I certainly will try. Fortunately for her and the family, uh, the gentleman who runs St. Peter's Hospital in New Brunswick, Les Hirsch, isn't that great? A Jewish guy from the Catholic Hospital is a friend. I call him up and I said, is there any way you can help me get this done? He did. So with the two of us, we got it done. She had the operation. By the way, the operation is very, very tough. They collapse your lungs and a lot of other things. So it took her about six weeks to get over it. And then we talk, and they said, you know, we'd like to share this story. And they came down. I'll tell you, the three of them, Dave, the grandfather, the mom, and the daughter could not have been nicer and sweeter. Believe me when I tell you that. I just great, great, great people. So I was really um, happy to do what I could do for them. And, you know, that's life. I mean, that's the way I was taught, and I'm sure you as well. How do governor? How do hospitals, insurance companies? How do they react when a former governor calls them with an ask like that? Oh, I remember when I was governor. I, you could get anything done, Dave. You, 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 you could get a facelift if you wanted it. You know, when a governor calls. But listen, this this girl, okay, her life it was not a happy life, and as you get older with that, it gets worse. So, I mean, for her to go forward, entering college in Ramapo, she's staying in Jersey, um, that was going to be tough, tough and tough for the rest of her life, having kids, so forth and so on. So, you know, they have to have a heart and an understanding, especially this is people who are middle class or lower middle class people, but just great human beings. And listen, I know I only had so much time in uh, Sussex County before I'd be chased out as a Democrat, so... I was happy. The time I spent up there was just great, and uh, I'll never forget them, and I know they'll never forget me. I'm speaking with former New Jersey Governor Richard Cody. Uh, Governor, I I read that Jessica Riley is going to pay this forward. She's going to college, and she's studying nursing. Yes. Yes, she is. So for all what she went through, uh, she got a love of how she was treated uh, by everyone, and she wants to pay back, and how great is that? But really, I mean, she's a great example of the people in New Jersey and of the people uh, in Sussex County. And by the way, the gentleman who came in, the grandfather, had heard that uh, Senator Rojo was there, too, and I had invited Steve in, but he had just left. Because I know he's going to uh, hit on a Rojo first, thinking, hey, he's a Republican, he's got more money than the Democrat. So. Well, you, know, you never know how things are going to turn out. I'm, I'm glad it all all worked out for her. And 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 I should point out to everybody there was uh, between between all the monies that were raised and, and and what the hospital did, there was a little bit of a balance. And and I watched the video. I saw you pull a check out of your own pocket, and and, yeah, and you, you, you know, made so up the difference. Here's what happened: there was still a balance of six thousand. I didn't know that. So when they told me before the press conference, I ran out to my car, opened up. The glove compartment, I got out a blank check, and I said, here's a check. Come on. i got to get this over with. Happy well, to am- do it. That's amazing. It's, it, 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 often I think of politicians putting their hands in other people's pockets. So, <laughs> so, so Hey, listen. The one thing, <laughs> when I was governor, I didn't raise taxes, and I didn't have a scandal. That's a record for New Jersey. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that's true. And I'm speaking with former New Jersey Governor Richard Cody. Governor, I want to, I want to ask one other question. 17 years ago this week, you received a phone call that I think changed your life forever. What what happened? 
Well, what happened was, <laughs> while well, my wife was having minor surgery, um, we got this phone call about McGreevy going to resign. And I said, that's crazy. I ignored it. And um, so my wife uh, was having a surgery, and I said to the doctor, I'm right down the street. Uh, call me as soon as she's in, in recovery. When I got to my office, though, they said, holy blank, here's this rumor. I'm like, oh, I can't believe that's bull. And then I got a phone call from Senator Lesniak. He said, Dick, it's real, and he's going to call me in about an hour. Then the doctor called. I had to go up and get my wife. <laughs> she was in recovery, and I told her what happened, and she asked for the doctor to put her out again. For <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty tough, I mean. Yeah, you go to bed and you wake up, and all of a sudden you're going to be the governor. I was not exactly the happiest person on earth, I can assure you. And listen, I knew uh, that was going to shape my life for the rest of my life, whether that was going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Fortunately for me, it turned out all right. Now we're looking here at this situation in New York, uh, Dave, and unfortunately for her, she's only got a couple of months to shine. Then there's an election. Am I wrong? No, there is. There's an election next year, and this is this. It it reminded me of your situation. You you became governor in in uh, 2004. Late 2004. That was it's right before an election, and and you had to make a decision. No, just right after. Otherwise, there would have been an election. Right. Right, but there. Creepy wasn't stupid. (laughs) At least with that. (laughs) But he's kind of. This happened the end of November. You really just had a couple months. To decide whether you were going to run in 2005. Yeah, unfortunately. And a lot of people are upset about that. But listen, it, it turned out great for me. I have no regrets about it. Listen, you, the power broker that there is in New Jersey decided he didn't want me. And unfortunately, he can control so many people. So it wasn't feasible at that point, Dave, when I had to make the decision. If I had delayed it three months. I would have ran because my numbers were off the charts, thank God. But I, I, I never look back, and I'm really grateful for the time I had and for the woman in New York. Uh, God bless it. I would tell her, listen, pick two or three issues that you like and love. Fight for them. Don't move into the governor's mansion. Don't act like you were elected. And maybe good, good things can happen to you, as they did for myself and my family. It was a. It was an experience that, that you, you're now in the history books, and you you were the governor, not not acting governor, not there for 84 hours. But yeah, I was. See, I was Dave. I was smart enough to change the law. You were. You were. But you know the best thing about that, Dave, is the Republicans like a Leonard Lance, you know, like John Bramnick, you know, those kind of people. Um, I had their help, and they were great. So when we came up with that idea, let's. Forget about the acting thing. Oh yes, God, we'll, we'll sponsor a bill with you. And that, that I mean, all so out. that's yeah. That all worked out. Day, we're all human, and we're all New Jerseyans. Well, I've been speaking with former New Jersey Governor Richard Cody, Senator Richard Cody. Thank you for thank you for coming on and joining me today. Thank and, you, and get the hell out of Florida. You, you can have hot weather up here soon. Soon, yes, yes, sir. I will, <laughs> and I will be right back with Tom Simansky, the executive director of the New Jersey Republican Party. This is David Wildstein, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio seventy-seven WABC. WABC. You didn't. Uh. Yep. I thought you learned your lesson. I guess not. Dad. The vultures are back. Okay, kids, you know the drill. Windows up. Gone too far looking for a good deal on gas? Try Price Match, only from BP Me Rewards at participating BP and Amico stations. Learn more at bp.com slash best price. All right, we've got lucky caller number four, Marcus, on the line. If he answers this question, he wins a new car. Let's do this. Okay, for a new car, name the only actor to appear in... And now a message from our sponsor. With 24-7 support and quick and easy claims, Progressive protects what matters most. Progressive. Films all in the same year. Wait, sorry, I, I didn't hear the question. Three seconds, Marcus. Yeah, no, but there was an ad in the middle. You didn't answer. Of the ad, but I didn't hear anything. Marcus, you dropped it in the dirt. Progressive. There's never a bad time for great protection. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Everyone loves shopping online. Well, I'm going to tell you what I tell my golf buddies when they buy clubs. Stop searching for coupon codes. Download Capital One Shopping to your computer. 
Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Plus, it's free, and you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. That's like hitting a hole in one without even trying. Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary. It was my fifth birthday, and my dad was bringing home the cake. Should have been here a half hour ago. The cake never made it, and neither did my dad. 911, what's your emergency? That was the day a drunk driver killed my dad. Daddy? Impaired drivers take lives. Think. Sponsored by the New York State Governor's Traffic Safety Committee. Aired in cooperation with the New York State Broadcasters Association. Sometimes I know what I want to say, but just can't find the words. Last week I shouted at my grandson, and I'm not sure why. I saw my daughter, but couldn't remember her name. The sooner you recognize the warning signs of Alzheimer's disease, the sooner you can do something about it. To learn more, go to alz.org slash 10 signs. That's alz.org slash 10 signs. A message from the Alzheimer's Association. We're danger and other fake news stories. Tomorrow morning at 10. We should get people to ask questions. It's a special Uncovering the Truth. A two-hour special. America under attack. Schools and spending. The border. How are we handling fentanyl and COVID-19? Energy and Afghanistan. With Rudy Giuliani and guest Maria Ryan. Sponsored by the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Talk Radio 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. Listen to us. Give us a try. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. John Podesta served as White House Chief of Staff under President Bill Clinton and as counselor to President Barack Obama. Now he's an advisor to Climate Power. That's a grassroots group that's seeking to change the politics of climate change. Mr. Podesta, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me on, David. It's my pleasure. And the U.S. Senate this week uh, approved a, a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill that they, they've been working on for quite a while. How does this bill help you to combat climate change? Well, look, I think it's a very important bill uh, to update our our really aging infrastructure. It has some elements that will uh, help in the battle against climate change. Uh, there's a lot of money in uh, for resilience. There are other very important investments uh, including uh, funding for the Gateway Project that New Jersey uh, citizens will, uh, you know, be concerned about. There's money for uh, transit, uh, which will help in the fight against climate change for electric charging. Uh, but the big uh, emission reduction investments uh, remain to be uh, considered by the Senate through the budget and the so-called budget uh, re- the resolution. That's now uh, being considered by the Senate. And with, with with earlier this week, 19 Republican senators voted for that bill. Does does that mean, does that show you that some Republicans are, are ready to acknowledge that there is a climate change crisis? Well, I think it at least shows, yes. Uh, what we see all around us in the extreme weather we're feeling in the United States, the fires and drought in the West, uh, flooding in the upper Midwest and, and on the East Coast, uh, the upcoming hurricane season. I think there's at least some grounding in reality now that we got to do something about it. Uh, it still remains, um, not so much with the public, but with, with politicians, uh, an issue that divides uh, political leaders in, in, uh, in Washington, at least. And that's why I think these other big investments that have been proposed by uh, President Biden through this Build Back Better agenda that will reduce emissions from the power sector, from uh, really moving the uh, country forward on uh, electric vehicles and and uh, the the need to reduce emissions from the transportation sector. Those still remain largely uh, supported by Democrats, and I think what we can anticipate uh, uh, this September is in both the House and the Senate, you'll see those bills passed uh, if they uh, get agreement uh, with Democratic votes only. 
And earlier this week, Climate Power released a poll. It said that three out of four voters back the, the reconciliation package. How, how much of this, in, in your view, is, is support for clean energy and, and environmental justice? And, and how much is, is about just the need to create jobs right now? Well, you know, I think it's both. I think that we saw that coming out of the COVID crisis that we have a big, still have a big job gap. The economy is p- picking up steam. Uh, there are the jobs report uh, this month was was good, really solid, really across the board. Uh, but there's still a big gap between the jobs that existed uh, before COVID and uh, what we have today. So uh, it's critical, I think, that the federal government support um, not just the job creation itself, but doing it in a way that's building for the future, uh, that's uh, creating innovation in the economy, that's supporting uh, both small business and people getting back to work doing essential work that needs to get done. Uh, and that begins and starts with uh, this work to uh, battle the climate crisis. The IPCC uh, reported uh, this week uh, that, you know, we're in serious danger. The uh, U.N. Secretary General called it code red for humanity. Um, and uh, when we look out 10 years, uh, 20 years, 30 years, not some distant future, but the, uh, that uh, the world that our children and grandchildren are going to live in, uh, what, what uh, this looks like is a complete uh, going from disaster that we're experiencing today uh, to apocalypse uh, if we don't get our act together uh, and do what uh, the scientific community has consensus on, that we have to reduce emissions. Uh, and that begins, uh, I think, with the investments that are uh, have been proposed by the president uh, and will be acted on by the Congress. And I'm speaking with former White House Chief of Staff John Podesta about climate change issues. Mr. Podesta, uh, earlier this week, Congressman Bill Pascrell, who, who I know you know well, is demanding. He's a good friend, and he's he's demanding a clean energy that clean energy tax incentives be included in the infrastructure package. Uh, do you, do you worry that when this goes to the House, that it it might get so complicated of people trying to get things in and take things out that that, that this will be hard to actually get get this package passed? Well, look, I mean, I think that uh, what we've seen going on in Congress this summer has not been exactly what we, you know, learned in, uh, in, in you know, I'm pretty old, but uh, at least in my era in, in uh, taking U.S. history classes uh, in grammar school and high school, I mean, there was a, a decision made to go on a two-stra- two-track strategy. Uh, one uh, this bipartisan infrastructure bill, which has very important components, as I noted. And secondly, uh, because they knew there wasn't support for this massive investment in clean energy to try to use this process called budget reconciliation. And so I think Congressman Pascrell will have his shot at this, but it's going to be in that reconciliation bill. And perhaps there's nothing more important that's been proposed in terms of getting emissions reduced and beginning to solve this climate crisis than the clean energy tax credits that he's uh, uh, talking about. Uh, We have worked with a premier uh, analytic firm uh, called Rhodium uh, Group, uh, and they have found that the tax credits alone will reduce uh, emissions from the power sector by 76 percent by 2030. And that it is accompanied by major reductions in traditional pollutants like uh, uh, sulfur dioxide and, and uh, nitrogen oxide. So when it comes to people's health right now, uh, you'll see massive reductions in air pollution, improvements in the quality of public health, and again, putting people to work. That's, I think, why, for example, Governor Murphy has put so much uh, emphasis on building offshore wind uh, in New Jersey. It has the attribute of creating a whole industry and creating the skills that are necessary to have U.S. manufactured and uh, built uh, offshore wind, but it also 
immediately reduces, helps to reduce pollution that causes so much asthma and so much health disparity that we saw during the COVID crisis. And Governor Murphy signed a bill this summer. He, it was, uh, it's a new law that prevents local governments from blocking buried transmission lines for offshore wind. Is, is this good politics in an election year for him? Well, look, I think it's a necessary policy, and so he'll have to explain that. Uh, but um, uh, I've also seen polling uh, that uh, indicated, New Jersey-specific polling, that there's very, very substantial supermajority support. I think 82% of New Jersey voters uh, support uh, the development of the offshore wind um, uh, industry, uh, and a, a couple of projects this year have been uh permitted um and so i think we're seeing with whether it's atlantic shores ocean wind two we're seeing interest in those projects because i think they can provide good paying union jobs that are you know uh family supporting uh and um and they'll as i said they'll they'll also have the effect of reducing air pollution that you know uh is a problem for both the young and the old, for for uh, kids trying to learn and for uh, seniors like myself who are just trying to get by. And I think that, uh, so I, I think you have to put the policy in place to ensure that that uh, occurs. And, and so, you know, he'll have to explain that to voters who might question whether there should be more local autonomy. But in the end of the day, if it's if it's buried cable, uh, it seems to me that the state as a whole is going to benefit. And uh, w- we've got a tremendous problem, I think, as you would agree, David, in terms of permitting uh, the infrastructure that the country needs. Uh, it takes too long. Uh, it's too complicated. And I think he's probably just trying to cut through some of that. And, and I'm speaking about climate change issues with the former White House Chief of Staff, John Podesta. I, I want to ask you about how, how important is it about the role of ro- local government officials as they seek to establish renewable energy programs? Well, um, I'd, uh, I'd say a couple of things. One is after uh, President Trump decided to pull out of Paris, you saw this burst of energy by uh, states and cities, and particularly in cities, to say, we're still in. We're going to still try to meet uh, the climate targets that President Obama set out in Paris. And indeed, we're on track to actually meet those. we got to do a lot better than that, but we're on track to, to, to meet those. Uh, and that was the result of a lot of work uh, by cities who pledged to change the way uh, their uh, energy infrastructure works, uh, invest in more transit, more livable cities, etc. But the other place where local governments play an enormous role uh, is in energy efficiency uh, and the ability uh, to use often federal dollars, but in smart ways that reduce consumer bills, create a more efficient system, uh, and overall reduce the use of of uh, uh, electricity to to heat and cool cool our buildings and our homes, and uh, we've seen tremendous progress in cities that have taken that on. Uh, and now I think you've got a supportive federal government with a with a, a, a president who's called for that in federal buildings, which is significant. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I'm working on is an initiative for uh, carbon-free and healthy schools that has a broad coalition of support um, that um, uh, is uh, between um, teachers, parents, students, uh, workers uh, to to, uh, clean up schools, clean up the HVAC systems. It'll help on the public health front, but it'll also reduce emissions. And that's an enormous, uh, uh, the public school systems in the United States are enormous users uh, of electricity. So I, I think that really takes local leadership, uh, leadership by cities and counties uh, to get a plan, to get those investment goings, to tap the federal uh, dollars that are available to them, uh, and to build a better future. 
We understand. And John Podesta, former White House Chief of Staff, thank you so much for joining me today. You, you have created a, a lot of interest in, in some of these issues that are, that are important to New Jersey and, and will likely be a, an issue in this upcoming campaign. Great, David. Thanks for covering it. Thank you very much. And I'll be, this is David Wildstein. Uh, I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and I'll be right back to talk about New Jersey politics on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. In your car, online, and at home, the Tri-State's most trusted voice, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Running between work, school, and home was impossible with fibroids running my life. The pain, fatigue, and heavy bleeding meant no big work projects, no after-school activities, and no family nights. So I said yes to the Center for Innovative GYN Care. Their minimally invasive myomectomy had me home the same day. Now I'm pain-free and have the energy I need to play with my daughter and her new baby brother. Ready to start saying yes? Visit SayYesGYN.com to schedule a consultation. I'm Fuad Reveza. Hoaxes and other fake news stories. Tomorrow morning at 10. We should get people to ask questions. It's a special Uncovering the Truth. A two-hour special. America under attack. Schools and spending. The border. How are we handling fentanyl and COVID-19? Energy and Afghanistan. With Rudy Giuliani and guest Maria Ryan. Sponsored by the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Talk Radio 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. Listen to us. Give us a try. Download the 77 WABC mobile app now. now. Get the latest news and information. Listen to your favorite shows and podcasts anywhere you go. Available now on Google Play and in the App Store. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. Tom Simansky is an experienced political operative. He's the executive director of the New Jersey Republican State Committee. Tom, welcome. Thanks for having me on, David. Good to talk to you. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, Tom, there's, there's a million more Democrats than Republicans in New Jersey. Can Jack Chitterelli beat Phil Murphy? There's a million more Democrats, David, but since last November, Republicans have actually outpaced Democrats in terms of new voter registrations in the state. So granted, we do have an uphill climb. It always is being um, a Republican in New Jersey. But Jack Chitterelli absolutely does have a shot because this election needs to be a referendum on Phil Murphy. And that's what it's going to be. And Phil Murphy wants to talk about anything and everything other than his record. He wants to talk about Donald Trump. He wants to he wants to talk about uh, national politics. Um, you're, you're an old history junkie and a New Jersey political junkie, David. You're, you know that we're one of only two states in the, in the union with gubernatorial elections this year and not in federal cycles because the framers of our modern-day Constitution wanted the voters to be able to decide on state-specific issues and pay full attention to it. So pay full attention to the fact that Phil Murphy ignored guidance um, and put COVID-positive patients in nursing homes, which led to the deaths of 8,000 people. Pay attention to the fact that Phil Murphy enacted some of the largest tax increases uh, out of any New Jersey governor. Pay attention to the fact that that Phil Murphy um, swept complaints of his employees pertaining to sexual harassment under the rug. And look at Jack Chitterelli. Jack is out there hitting the campaign trail really hard. He's getting known by the voters more and more by the day. He's a small businessman, a job creator, um, everyday guy, as opposed to Phil Murphy, who's a wealthy, out-of-touch Goldman Sachs millionaire. And Jack Chitterelli and Diane Allen are more in line with everyday New Jersey. So I think the more that we hear about these things, the more people are going to come our way, and they already are. And, Tom, I, I, I watched Jack Chitterelli's first TV ad this week. He, he used a clip that Governor, something Governor Murphy said in 2019. He said, if you're a one-issue voter and taxes are your issue, we're probably not your state. Are You've seen more polling than I am. Are are taxes the issue this year? I think taxes, affordability, and quality of life. I think it all kind of runs together. It's not just a question of taxes. Um, everybody who lives in New Jersey knows that we have some of the highest taxes um, in the state. So they need to ask themselves two questions, I think. Which candidate in this race, Phil Murphy or Jack Chitterelli, 
is going to take that issue of lowering taxes and implementing systemic reforms in Trenton, which is severely broken, more seriously? I think the answer is Jack. But if you want to give Phil Murphy a fair shake, ask yourself, okay, we pay high taxes, but what kind of services do we get in return? Is, 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 do we get a good bang for our buck here? And when you consider over the last 18 months that the New Jersey Department of Labor is completely broken beyond repair, the fact that Phil Murphy has refused to invest in infrastructure upgrades to that, and people who are out of work because of COVID have been forced to wait weeks and months to get their unemployment checks, people who are living paycheck to paycheck trying to put food on the table. Um, that's not a good return on investment. Um, ask yourself if waiting for hours or days online at Motor Vehicle Commission offices to do simple administrative items like renew your license or your registration, um, only to be turned away at the door after waiting uh, online for hours. Ask yourself if you're getting a good return um, on your investment. As crime continues to tick up all throughout the state, particularly at the Jersey Shore where I live, David, and Phil Murphy doesn't want to blame his, you know, he doesn't want to blame his anti-law enforcement rhetoric on that uptick, but as, as we see public safety come more and more under attack in our state, ask if you're getting a good return on your high tax rate. But it, it seems to me, and, and I, I agree with you, I look at the history very strongly, and, I, and I, I've been watching gubernatorial campaigns in New Jersey for, oh God, I shouldn't, I shouldn't admit it, 48 years. It, <laughs> it seems that Republicans go a little bit to the right to win the nomination, and then in New Jersey, they move to the center for the general. But, but Jack Cittarelli and Diane Allen, they've moved a little to the right, not a place where they've been through their careers. Is is that the lane they need to take to win this election? I, I, I take issue with with the premise just a little bit there, David. And I don't okay. think that either I don't think that either Jack Cittarelli or Diane Allen would shy away from the fact that they are conservative but common sense um, Republicans. But that being said, what we've seen happen since um, Senator Diane Allen. Um, was announced about 10 days ago as Jack Cittarelli's lieutenant governor, is a systematic and coordinated attack against her from Phil Murphy and his disciples and their like-minded cohorts in the media. I exclude yourself from that, David. I think that you're a very fair uh, person who throws balls and strikes. But if you look at what's been said about Diane Allen um, by the quote-unquote mainstream media in the last week, they're calling her radical and extreme for two statements that she made. The first one was one that takes issue with the fact that Phil Murphy has mandated that kindergartners and elementary school students be taught about explicit sexual acts. That's number one. Kindergartners, David. Number two is the fact she expressed concern and questioned whether or not COVID-positive migrants who are being allowed to flow through the poorest open southern border because of Joe Biden's failed border and immigration policies, she questioned if it was a good idea for them to come to New Jersey. I think if you were to ask the majority of New Jerseyans whether or not those are unreasonable positions, they would all say no. And yet we're seeing systematically uh, the press take a, a woman, and Diane Allen, who has been hailed for her entire career as being a bipartisan, moderate, uh, leader who obtains results. This is a woman who was discriminated against in her career as a journalist. This is a woman who passed legislation, anti-bullying and anti-harassment legislation. She has been an unprecedented champion for women in the state of New Jersey. And the New Jersey press corps is trying to make her out to be an extremist. Shame on them. And I'm speaking with Tom Semiansky, executive director of the New Jersey Republican Party. I mean, I've been watching your tweets all week. You were you're really going at it with Democrats on, on every one of these issues. <laughs> well, it's all in good fun. Uh, my counterpart at the New Jersey Democratic State Committee and I certainly had a, a very spirited exchange this week. Um, we should never shy away from contrasting our ideas with each other. It's, it's what elections and public affairs um, is all about. But, but make no mistake, the New Jersey Republican State Committee, we're not only here to elect Jack Cittarelli as governor this November, we're here to hold Democrats and all of their failed bad ideas accountable. And Ronald Reagan always said that bail, uh, bold colors uh, are more effective um, than pale pastels. And we intend to be aggressive, not only in terms of holding those with power and in office accountable, um, but ensuring that the media does not distort the narrative of this race. And we will continue to do that. And I want to ask you about redistricting. Census numbers are out now. Uh, 
the Chief Justice, the, this, the full Supreme Court voted for the Democratic candidate for congressional redistricting over the Republican candidate. What, is, what does all this mean? What's, what, what is the Republican <clears throat> prognosis for congressional redistricting? Well, I think it just means that, you know, our Republican commissioners need to, as they will, fight to ensure the best and fairest possible map, um, not just in terms of uh, I'm not to, to tip the balance in favor of Republicans, but to ensure that there's equal representation um, in both Congress and the state house. I mean, this is about congressional and legislative redistricting. I mean, when you consider on the, on the, the legislative side and throughout the years, like take 2013, for example, 52% of voters cast a ballot for a Republican legislative candidate only wound up with 40% of the seats. And it's, it's gone down even since. Um, the current split in the congressional delegation is 10 Democrats and two Republicans. And that's not the proportion with which New Jersey voters, either in 2020 or previously, um, voted in, uh, to send people to Washington along party lines on. So, yeah, but in fairness, that was a Republican. That was a Republican map, the one that you're you're in right now. That was that was designed to to keep four more Republican seats. It was it was a Republican map. What I'm saying is that these these are redrawn every ten years to ensure that the districts are in perpetuity remaining as competitive and fair um, as possible. And I think that you know now Republican commissioners can and will put forward a fair a fair map to ensure that balance is is restored here. And I think that when you consider that there's folks like Congressman Tom Malinowski out there who um, have perpetually broken federal law by failing to disclose. Uh, shady stock trades made during the pandemic. We're going to have some really, really competitive, tough races out there next November 2022. We're going to win some seats back either way. And and this is the the this is the the anticipated rematch between Tom Ken Jr. and Tom Malinowski. Is that is that the number one Republican target in New Jersey? I, I, I would hate to get into ranking and assigning value to one district over another. Um, we at the Republican Party. Um, assist all of our candidates in whatever their needs and asks are. Um, but I think if you're looking at all of the districts and past performance, as well as, you know, future potential matchups, I think it's hard to look at the 7th Congressional District of New Jersey and not say that that's a real opportunity um, to send Tom Malinowski back. And, and what about other districts? Andy Kim, Josh Gottheimer, Mikey, Mikey Sherrill, are, are, you looking at, mm-hmm. are you looking at trying to make those districts more competitive? I think that I think a number of districts um, need to and will get more competitive. I mean, I was looking at I'm like you, David, I'm kind of a numbers geek and a and a math nerd a little bit. And I was looking at some of the municipal level census data, as well as data that's come in from some other sources. And, you know, if you look at districts like three, uh, five, uh, seven, eleven, which are all currently held by Democratic representatives, um, you know, the way that the way that uh, the census data is now, the, uh, the partisan voting index puts all of those districts at either Republican plus two or Democrat plus two. So you've got four of the 12 districts in New Jersey here that are very, very close to center and only a few points away from each other in terms of their partisanship. So we're going to have a number of competitive races. And we're going to fight hard in every single one of them and win seats back mm-hmm. and uh, fire Nancy Pelosi as House Speaker for once and for all. Well, look, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, this is this is one thing we're all going to agree on, Democrats and Republicans. It's one of the reasons we all love New Jersey is it's always exciting, and and it's always competitive. T- Tom Simansky, Executive Director of the New Jersey Republican State Committee, thank you for joining me today. David, keep up the great work. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much, and and we'll please please, please come back next week. We'll be talking more about New Jersey politics and campaigns. This is David Wildstein. Thanks for listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC.